What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Pull Up and Chat podcast, the Puliando y Chateando podcast, <laughs> as we like to call it. Yes, yes. We got to make sure that catches on. <laughs> Yo, for real. Juan and Victor here. Another episode. It's beautiful outside yep, right yep. about now. It's yeah. humid, which is my kind of my kind of weather. It's my kind of timing. I know it's not yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the summer. I love, I don't mind the heat. It takes a little, but the humidity for me is where I kind of draw the line. Because that's when it's like you don't want hot and sticky. And I think that that's what the humidity does. So I'm okay with, you know, 80, 90 degree weather, but without the humidity. That's my preference. I experienced all of it on Saturday playing softball. It was about 90 degrees. Humidity must have been like at a thousand percent. And we were playing defense. And for the most part, my team was, you know, they were making a bunch of errors. So we were playing defense for most of the day. (laughs) <laughs> um, don't, I'm not going to tell Carolyn cause he's going to take credit for all that. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were playing deep. Oh, actually he was on my team. What am I talking about? We we're playing defense so for the most suck. part. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We we're playing defense for the most part. So we were taking in all that heat. Okay. But I don't, I don't mind it, bro. Like I, I love this weather, bro. Like I just love it. I mean, again, I'm, I'm right there with you for me, the, and I've said this, I think in, before in the, in the podcast, when the time changes, when we go into daylight savings time and, we have more, you know, sun. We have a longer day. That's when I come to, to life. That's kind of like like Superman. I think I get my powers <laughs> from the sun. And so I love that, and I love this time of year. I, I just like the humidity. Is, it can be a little too much, especially in the beginning, because that's also part of it. You know, we, we're just coming out of winter. We're kind of adjusting to warmer weather. So when the temperature or the humidity goes from zero to 100 that's when it becomes, you know, a little too much for yeah, me. But yeah. overall, you know, this was, uh, I guess, the I temperature-wise, I think this was the weekend that everybody wanted to have for Memorial Day weekend where, you know, there wasn't any rain. There was nothing but sunshine. And so people were able to go out there, take advantage of it. We also are, are seeing the results of the, the restrictions of masks, mandates, and stuff like that with, with regards to COVID loosen up a little bit and so i think that this was the weekend where we kind of saw people kind of fully take advantage of everything and unfortunately it spilled over which kind of i guess as we're doing the weather report (laughs) um transitions perfectly into you know the first part of our our few things uh segment of things that we kind of caught our attention over the weekend and the first one which i'm going to completely toss over to you because i know what you shared with me so uh, this one i'm definitely gonna (laughs) let you take the lead on that but it basically came down to one of the the most famous parks here in new york city washington square park where apparently people gathered over the weekend were you know i guess a large crowd or too much noise or something like that and it got a little too crazy but i'll kind of toss it over to you to add a little bit more context and the details you know, of the whole story. So basically the, the NYPD, you know, they brought out the big guns. It was, it was like a scene of 2020 all over again. Okay. Brought out the big guns. They, they were all geared up. Like they were going over to, you know, the next war, <laughs> world war three or something like that, which right. hasn't happened. And we hope it doesn't. Yeah. But that's what, that's what it looked like. And it, and it was all because, you know, they had placed this 10 PM curfew um, because people were, behaving you know rowdy i guess they were being too loud they were at the park listening to music they were having fun because of course we were all locked up for an entire year 
due to a pandemic and we're still in the pandemic we're you know walking out little by little but we're still in it and people obviously when you give them freedom to be able to go out they're gonna go out and have fun they're not fighting they're not killing anyone they're just listening to music and having a good time and the nypd thought it was a great idea to bring out you know people who were in gears like they were going to war to simply go and beat up people and take them out of the park because they were being too loud. And I personally, like, I get the whole thing about you want to be able to sleep. This was a Saturday night, by the way, around the NYU area, which we are usually hanging out around there. Right. You know, on weekends, it gets it gets a little, you know, it's packed out there. Yeah. People are, are partying and having a good time. And the NYPD, because the rich people, I won't say rich white folks because it's just rich people in general. Yeah. They were they wanted to sleep. They were upset because they were being too loud. The NYPD brought in the big guns. And my problem, and then I'll toss it to you, is that in Washington Heights, if we call the cops for noise complaints, they'll tell us, hey, there's nothing we could do about it. You know, I- I'm sorry. Or they'll say, okay, we'll check it out, and then they'll never pop up. Because I've done that before. Call me whatever, old, I don't care. There's times where on a Sunday night I want to be able to sleep and get some rest. Cause I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning the next day. But if I call the cops and I've done it before, they'll either tell me there's nothing we could do about it or they'll tell me, okay, we'll be there and then not show up. But if the rich folks call the cops in downtown, Oh, that's a different story. We're going right. to, we're going to gear up and we're going to beat people up to get them out of your way. That That's my problem with what happened on Saturday night. What, what do you think about it? To me, it's a case case of two things can be right at the same time, and not to sound cliche, but also two wrongs don't make a right. Because to play, I guess, a little devil's advocate, I can understand, even on a Saturday night, uh, where people, you know, may feel some type of way about large gatherings and excessive noise or just a lot of noise in their neighborhood. I can understand it from the perspective that you mentioned where it's like, you know, at some point in the evening, even if it's summer, even if it's we're coming out of a pandemic, even if it's Saturday night, you may want to have a, you know, quiet night in, you know, it happens. Yeah. And so I can understand people wanting, you know, being feeling some type of way from that perspective. I can also understand if people have a little trepidation or anxiety about seeing large crowds gathering because we're still in the pandemic, even if we're slowly coming out. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I could relate to it to a certain level. We, um, and by that I mean you and I and, and a couple of the friends got together this weekend and kind of went out. For me, I've gone out here and there, but of the places that we went to visit, I remember uh, that we went to over the weekend. There was one where we were like in the space, just listening to music, having a few drinks. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, should I be here? Felt a l- not even should I be here because I, I, that's a little too much. But just kind of taking aback how I see things a little bit different. Yeah. Because I saw so many people, you know, gathering and you didn't really see people wearing masks. And so you kind of my mind went to. You know, should I have a mask? What is everybody in here vaccinated is, you know, who may not may or may not have. So I can understand there being some level of reservation to not be comfortable with large crowds. Yeah. The other part of it is what you mentioned with regards to the to the police. After the year that we've had, after the last 12, 15 months, 
And what we've seen when it comes to excessive police force, all the videos, all the cases and all that stuff. It's like, man, did we not learn anything from this? Yeah. Did you guys not learn anything from this? Because when you hear so many... And I'm, I stand here some, as someone who, you know, does community outreach and partners up with local police. And I'm not over here saying that, you know, screaming, you know, to defund them. Or, but we got to do better. And they have to do better. And so if the noise, if the complaint is, is it's excessive noise, it's not drugs, it's not rioting, it's not looting, it's not any of those things. Man, can you come at it from a different perspective so that we can move forward and learn actually or uh, implement the things that we should have learned over the last 12 months where we can be more civil towards each other? Yeah. And not have it be this, not go back to the way things were, where now it's like you're either for basically police uh, force, excessive force, or you're totally against it. No, can you bring the peace, but do it in a way that's actually peaceful? And so that's when I saw the video that you sent me, that's my takeaway. It was like, okay, you want to disperse the crowd you don't gotta do it with riot gear and come in like military style like you said like you're about to walk in a platoon into a war zone that's not what it was yeah that that's the problem it's just the, the difference in reacting and the way that, that they're reacting when it's noise complaints up here right in washington heights or in the bronx compared to people in downtown when it's down there you want to come out and you care oh we care about you sleeping but when it's us oh nah Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just... Yeah, and that's... I don't like that. That, again, that needs to change because then you are, I guess, feeding the, the biases or the or the differences that we feel yeah. when you're like, oh, wait, if you are this kind of person or live this kind of lifestyle, then you're going to get preferential treatment. And that that's not what it should be. And so, now that's come true. on, let's all do better. Let's all do better if we are going to learn anything from from what we went through last year. I guess the other, moving on I, to the other thing that kind of stuck out over the weekend, and again, I'm going to toss it over to you, is the Mayweather and, was it Logan it's Paul? L- Logan Paul, it's yeah. It's Logan Paul. One the of the fight. Paul brothers. Yeah, one <laughs> of the Paul brothers. So the fight went down. I've only seen highlights on, you know, Sports show and social media. You told me that you saw the fight, so I just kind of want to get your your impressions and your take on it. It was disappointing because I walked into this. I, I walked into the fight when it was announced at, at at first, thinking like, "Man, like this is such a mismatch." You're talking about arguably the greatest boxer in this generation fighting against a guy who I still consider a YouTuber. I don't think he's a boxer. Okay. Because if Mayweather to me, walked into this with a mentality of, okay, I'm going to knock this guy out and finish this quick, he would have done it. Because if you if you watch the fight, there were times where he was actually helping Logan Paul up. <laughs> I, I saw that. Yeah, he I was saw actually, that. He was actually helping him up. I know he up. denied it, but that, that yeah. looked like it was of a straight Of course he's going to deny yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. So it's like you he wasn't really trying to beat him down. If he wanted to, he would have done it. I don't care if Logan Paul was taller, came in about 30, 40 pounds heavier than, than Mayweather. Mayweather could have destroyed this kid. Right. But this is a part of what, I, of what we talked about last time when we said that boxing is dying. Because this is, gonna, this is hurting the sport. While, yes, it's going to gain viewership from the younger, uh, the younger kids, the people who are coming up now, 
it's also going to lose the focus of the older generation. People who came in loving boxing, they're going to be like, yo, this is a joke. So you're telling me that we can get Mayweather out of retirement to fight a YouTuber, but we can't get Errol Spence and, and Crawford to fight. They're telling me that we can't get Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua to fight, right? So that's what I'm talking about. We, the, the fights that we want from actual boxers, we can't get. But these fights where Mayweather comes out of retirement to fight a YouTuber, we can get. And they're ge generating millions and millions of dollars for this joke of a fight. Can, can I tell you something? As time has passed with this, with this particular top subject, with which we, uh, we've kind of talked about it a couple of times here and there, the more I'm, I'm in favor of it. Like, I've completely come around. And it's not because it's I take it any more serious. Because I didn't even watch. And I didn't even I was just about to ask to you the question. It. I'm like, wait a minute. No, but he, <laughs> here's why I'm going with this. This is the future of fighting. Not boxing, but fighting, in my opinion. This is going to be the future. And the reason why I'm in favor of it. It's similar to a few weeks ago when we took we were talking about the professional collegiate league and how we said whether this works or not, it's necessary because it's disrupting a system built on greed, built to only favor a few people. And this new thing is going to either take over that thing or at least is going to make it change the way things are going. And that's what these spectacles because that's what they are yeah. these are spectacles that this is what it it's going to do to boxing because there was something that uh logan paul said in the post fight uh interview which i loved again i'm bro i've never seen a youtube video of either him or his brother i've heard about them through hearsay through social media things here and there i've never seen their content but he said this proves uh and I'm paraphrasing. He said, this proves that the odds can be beat when a YouTuber can fight one of the greatest fighters of all time. And that's absolutely true. And that is happening because people, especially people with fame, people with power, are taking the power away from those that corrupted it. By, and by that, I mean the boxing commissions. Because like what you said about these fights of these other guys that are more talented, that we should be seeing them fight. The only reason they're not happening is because... The promoters. Yeah. Nobody wants to give up an inch of their pie. And it can only happen with the money is right for them and their people. And then these guys, Mayweather, to his credit, whether you like him or not, he has taken the power out of boxing for the, I, I want to say the last five or ten years, has been promoting his own fights, doing things his way, taking the money out, making the money for himself first, and then giving it to other people. Yeah, from that perspective, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I feel like hopefully this is something, and, I, and again, this is something we talked about last time. Hopefully this is something that pushes boxing to give us what we want, where people like a Logan Paul and a Mayweather who's retired and comes back he's his own promoter he does his own things yeah. are pushing these promoters to yo just get out of the way that's and let these fights happen that's why it, and that's why i'm saying i'm in favor of it because it's if these people these old 
And no, and I'm not even trying to be discriminatory against age, but I'm talking about old as in mentality of all these old people that are only doing it a certain type of way, and as as it only it only works if it meets their personal agenda and their personal monetary gain. These guys are taking the power away from them. Yeah. And listen, I like that. And can I tell you my my hot take? I think for the day. If this guy, uh, Dana White, isn't careful, that's going to be the future of the UFC. Yeah. Because it's been a long-standing thing that, other than the top, very, very top guys, UFC doesn't really pay their fighters well. No. That thing, the most that McGregor, when he was at his height, got paid was like $3, 4000000 million. That's right. the reason why he went to fight Mayweather. Right. And so, as these guys continue to build their own you know, empires, kind of like what, and to their credit, what guys like LeBron, uh, Kobe, mostly basketball players, that they built their brand beyond the sport. If these guys are able, as they see people empower themselves, build their own market, build their own following, and then be able to control their future, if the guy's in the position to do something about it, don't do it, you know what? Good for them. And so whether I agree with uh, that the boxing match was good, which it wasn't, uh, not, most of these spectacle fights are not good at all. But what it does is disrupts the system. And I'm always going to be in favor of that when it's a system that only favors a certain type of people and a certain type of narrative. So for me, lo- yo, at the end of the day, they both got their money. Like Logan Paul said, he got into the ring with one of the greatest fighters. And people watch, and now people know who he is. He know they people know their both of their brothers, whether you watch their videos or no, not. They know, they know who they are before the boxing. And so, yeah. no, but I'm saying like even if you're not a YouTube fan and seeing whatever content they oh, done, yeah, yeah, yeah. now mainstream like all of us, most of us, I would say, know who they are because these guys have taken whatever following they've done and they've put it to work for them. And yo, I can't knock that. I can't knock it whether I think that they're great boxers or not. I can't knock the fa- the uh, someone being able to build something for themselves and taking advantage of it and cutting out the middleman. I'm gonna start training uh, at, towards the end of the summer. It's I'm gonna you, challenge Manny Pacquiao. Listen, a lot of people, <laughs> and, and again, not not to be uh, this isn't such such a hot take, but for all the people that hate on them on like guys like them, the reality is is that all of us want that. Yeah. Because if we can all figure out something that we can do, that we can earn a lot of money, not having to work for somebody else but for ourselves, and cash in, there's not a person walking this earth that wouldn't take that opportunity. And so that's why I'm saying I've come around on them because, again, the boxing can be a joke. But, hey, people are watching. No, yeah, my, my, my take wasn't about them specifically. It's been yeah. more about... The boxing itself, but just that, as a boxing fan, but that's it's like, why, and that's why geez. boxing either needs to shape up or shape out because these more of these fights are going to get put on because at the end of the day, more so than this is not, you know, the '90s where we there was a million boxers that we could watch every Saturday. I remember as a kid, there was a fight on HBO on on Showtime of God, yo. There's not that anymore. But yet, you still, at the end of the day, most of these fights you watch because you want to see 
a person knocks somebody out or you want to see somebody else get knocked out. Yeah. And so they're taking, they're like basically going, leaning into being the villains, the people that everybody, but they get people to watch. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to drive the market. And so if the people in power of boxing can't see what's happening before the eyes, then they don't deserve to survive as a, as a business because they don't evolve. That is true. And so props to them, whether they suck at boxing or not, but (laughs) props to them. The last thing from the weekend, and again, I'm kind of just tossing these over to you. And this one I'm fully going to toss over to you because (laughs) this is you. uh, I'm just going to toss it to you and sit back and let you bask in what was a Red Sox sweep over the New York Yankees this weekend. While the rivalry isn't what it used to be, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it's still, you know, they're still in the division. They're fighting for it. It's always a good matchup. Baseball is always great when the Yankees and and Boston uh, go at it. So have at it. Last year was such a down year. Aside, obviously, besides from COVID, killing killing the vibes last year. Okay. Um, But last year, obviously, the Red Sox weren't good (laughs) at all. Okay. Um, And... As you just finished saying, baseball is better when both of these uh, both of these teams are are great and are, and are at the top of their divisions. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays are number one, but man, did I enjoy this weekend? <laughs> and I threw it at I'm Cur- sure you did. <laughs> I threw it at Curlin's face, of course. Okay, you know he's a Yankee and he's our friend, and yeah. uh, um, I, I was surprised that he didn't bring up the 27 championships. That's that's the that's defense the mode move. for for yeah. Yankee fans. Yeah. Even though they've only experienced about seven or six of all of in those. In the modern era. Exactly, and they're they're over here bringing only up 27. Only oh, well, two since 2000. Yeah, but this this Boston team, bro, as as I've always said th- throughout this season, I didn't think they were this good. Yeah. And these young kids, young kids, Devers, Bogarts, JD, still getting it done. Um, I was pissed off because you know of the trade that the boston red sox made you know giving up mookie bets which i will still keep the guy if we can keep him right for for alex vertigo if i'm pronouncing his last name verdugo verdugo in english i'll just (laughs) verdugo verdugo (laughs) um yeah so it's like this kid bro they had him mic'd up for the game on the weekend yeah yo he brings life to baseball bro like he was you know showing his excitement of playing in yankee stadium going up against those guys you know, he had gotten a hit to right field, and he was yelling as he was running the bases, oh, he's going to throw me out. He's going to throw me out. That was obviously uh, Aaron Judge. Um, he has a monster of, of a cannon. Right. He thought he was going to throw him out, but obviously it's just the excitement that he showed. And and for, for the Boston Red Sox to get things done, they had lost 11 straight at Yankee Stadium, so they were kind of under the pressure there. And they, they these kids have shown that they're not afraid of the lights. They're not afraid of the Yankees, and they're not afraid of the moment, which is why they are where they are today, second place in the division with a chance, obviously, to win the division. And the Yankees, so much talk about, you know, Aaron Judge and Stanton and And DJ LeMayo and Garrett Cole and yada, yada, whatever. They're 27th in runs scored this year, 27th. So, so much talk about, oh, look at all these guys and superstars that we have. Y'all can't even bat. Y'all can't even score runs. Y'all 27th in the league. Right there with the New York Mets who can't score. Great pitching, but they can't score. Right. So to see the Yankees struggle like this, bro, in their own stadium, 
and see how salty their fans are, like <laughs> our friend Curlin, who was like, oh, you guys haven't... They, they even brought up some fake stats. They're like, oh, it's the first time you swept us in 11 years. No, 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 no. It's the first time we've swept you in, in Yankee Stadium, but we have swept you Got it. in the last 10 years. But that's what they do when they're under pressure and they know that their team sucks. Right. <laughs> and let's go Boston Red Sox, baby. I mean... I'm not going to take anything away from, <laughs> from everything that you said. And you're right. Uh, props to Boston for turning it around this quickly, you know, because they looked like a team on the demise. Uh, what you mentioned with regards to the Mookie Betts trade, I think caught everybody by surprise yeah. when they, of all the bad contracts and all the big contracts that they gave out, that that was the guy that they chose not to keep. So it's good for them that they've turned it around and that that guy that um, Alex Verdugo that they got in, in return, obviously he's not, I don't ever see him being Mookie Betts. Oh, no, no. But, you know, if he could be part of something, that's going to be great. I think the only thing for them is going to be now you have a core of young guys, similar to Tampa Bay, a, co a core yeah. of young guys that are hungry. Now, can you surround them with the guys that are not going to be afraid of the lights come October, especially when it comes to the pitching. Because batting, it fizzles out usually in October. Yeah. Not, there's usually maybe one team every every postseason that gets hot when it comes to the playoffs. Most teams rely on their pitching. So can Boston, you know, now that they have this this core of young guys, you know, there can they surround them obviously they do have a veteran in jd martinez on on the offense but now can they can can they rely on solid pitching on guys that are going to come in and if you're down in a series if they make it to the playoffs or if, even if you're in september yeah and you're in the mix for one of those playoff um those wild cards are you going to have the uh, the type of pitcher that you yo we need this game go out there and win it for us well they're about to get their ace Chris Sale coming out of injury, obviously, and hopefully that's that one of is the pieces that, 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 could that you're be talking him. about. Exactly. So if they're able to do that, then they are in in great shape to turn it around pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so props to them. Again, I don't want to take anything away from them <laughs> because they're doing it. And I'll repeat what I said before. Baseball is better when Yankees, when the Yankees in Boston are duking it out. So that's props true. to them for, for doing it. So now moving on to our next topic, we're definitely going to, you know, talk hoops in this topic because that is the, you know, the main course of the day. And be, but before we go into round two, we kind of want to recap round one because it was precisely a week ago when we recorded our last episode. And at the time, only one series, if you remember, had been decided. Yeah. That was Milwaukee handling the Miami Heat. And so now we're here a week later, round two is underway, but I kind of want to toss it to you and get your impressions on the finale of round one. What kind of caught your attention or what was, were there any surprises on your end? I just your overall view of the, the conclusion of round one. My number one surprise were the LA Clippers. And it's not okay. to say that I'm picking them to win the West because I don't even know anymore, bro. They're so up and down that I can't really make up my mind yeah. on that prediction. But to see them exercise their demons, obviously they were down 2-0. They tied the series. Then they lose that pivotal game five on their home court. Luka had one hell of a game. 
Yep. So once that happened, we're like, all right, it's the same old Clippers under pressure. They can't get it done. And then to see how, obviously, Kawhi comes back game six, drops, I think it was 44 or 46 points. And then game seven, them not choking it away was was amazing to see, bro. And I, I have a stat here with Kawhi Leonard. And I, I he's so frustrating to watch because he drops 30 and you just don't feel it. Right. It's like the weakest 30 points out of every superstar. He's only the second player since Shaq in the, that, that was in the 2000s final to average 30 points per game on 60% shooting. Like, he gets it done when it matters. Right. He's gotten it done when it matters. It's somewhat of what he learned, obviously, I would say, from Tim, Tim Duncan and uh, those guys in say. San Antonio. Yeah. But to see them exercise their demons, I'm proud to see that. I'm not yet, you know, confident enough to pick them coming out of the West, even though the Lakers are no longer there, because they've got a matchup against the Utah Jazz. Yeah. And that's going to be difficult. Luka Doncic, he's by himself. The guy was the best player to me in the series. That includes Kawhi Leonard. Because in that game seven that we're talking about, where Kawhi Leonard got it done, Luka dropped 46, 14, and 7. Yeah. And for the series, he averaged 35.7, 10 assists, and 8 rebounds, becoming actually becoming the youngest player in NBA history to average those numbers at 22 years old. He's arrived. Bro, yep. and it just I was having a conversation with Wilbur about this. Where we were like, obviously, he says he's going to sign the extension that they're about to give him, the Supermax. Right. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. But come on, Mark Cuban. You got to get him another, another superstar. Obviously, you thought Porzingis was that. He's not that. And, and the Knicks look great right now for trading him away because he, he's not good. At least not to what we expected him to be or the fans expected him to right. be. So they got to get some pieces around him. Um, we, we talked about that Suns and Lakers, you know, series. Credit to you. You talked about that Suns team, you know, being able to get it done. And <laughs> Devin Booker <laughs> dropped 47 on that game six, bro. Yep. Dude, like, he wasn't afraid of the moment. I loved at the end when he dunked it to, to end the game. And he looked back at, uh, I think it was sh- a shooter. And he was like, what? What? <laughs> now he said another word that I won't say here. Yeah. I'll keep it PG. He basically cursed him out at the end. Like, you ain't going to do nothing about it. Love to see that from that kid. Um, He's got more to prove and more to show in this next series against Denver. So the first round, those are the things that I'm looking at. The one team again that I want to give credit to. I know we killed them a lot. Is the LA Clippers. They they, they got it done. And, and, and hopefully they can get to the finish line now that the defending champions are no longer there. What do you think? I mean, I, I'm going to start and not to to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to start with Phoenix because pat yourself on the back. You Listen. know, yeah. <laughs> Give me a round of applause. We have the button right here. I'm going to ask for a round of applause for myself. Absolutely. Give me one of those. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, jokes aside, I you kind of felt it. Yeah. You know, when I saw their games, the ones that I was able to see, I felt it. Even in, in the ones that you lost, that they lost, you can see. Listen, this team, going back to, to kind of tie up a little bit with what I was just talking about when it comes to the Red Sox, where you have the young guys who are, you know, excited because they're unproven. They've never been there before, so they have that excitement. But you need, like history has told us, that you need those one or two people that have been here before or that are old enough to not get phased out by that. 
And that's what Chris Paul was. Yeah. That's what Chris Paul was and is to this team. Where like you're not asking him to be the Chris Paul of the of the Hornets from back in the day. You don't even need him to be Chris Paul of like an OKC or or um the Clippers. Or the or the Clippers. Yeah, I forgot about the Clippers. He is this veteran guy that's gonna keep things cool when the game starts to get a little wobbly, when the other team goes on a little bit of a run. He's that guy that if he needs to get a couple of buckets, he'll get you buckets. Yeah. But if he needs to get this, uh, these other guys, Booker, Aiden, get all of them involved. He is that guy that you can see. He's never been to the finals, but I don't think he, even if he gets there, he's going to be taken by the moment because he's been around for so long. Yeah, he's a vet. You know, and he is arguably, what, top 10 greatest point guards of all time? You can put him in that conversation. The numbers tell you it's yeah, there. You yeah. know, the success may not, but as far as the postseason, but the numbers in the regular season tell you that oh, he's in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was that. I it was I I felt it coming in even when we did again uh, about a month or so ago when we were talking about the pretenders or contenders. I was like, this team is a contender and they're a contender for him. So it was great to see. I know that there's some, you know, if you want to call it asterisk with Anthony Davis, you know, being out, which will cover a yeah. little bit more later on. But at the end of the day, they went out there and they won it. And I'm interested to see what they do next. I think that they, listen, I don't think that they're done. Not no, yet anyway. Not yet, I, don't not think, yet. I don't think the that The Western Conference is wide open. Exactly. Wide and open. so they were definitely my biggest yeah. impression of, of the first round, just to get, knock out the defending champions. The sec, second thing is, and this is more of a, again, just when I I wanna uh, I get applauses for when I'm right, I'll admit when I'm wrong, and that was Denver. Uh, they pulled it out. I didn't think they could with without Jamal Murray. I thought Portland had enough, you know, to to do it. And again, that's gonna be a that's topic. Another we'll, topic. We'll, for we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about a little bit more later, but they didn't. And so props to Denver for to Jokic for playing Stepping like up. an MVP, yeah. playing like the MVP that everybody thinks he's going to be for the regular season, or most people think that he's going to be. And so he did it. And my last thing is the Clippers. I think that they, like you, just to say with everything that you said, they started coming alive when it mattered, which we talked about last week. Is could, could they do this? We talked about a week ago when they had tied the series. Is Can they continue to bring these type of performances? And they kind of did. They did the one thing that no none of them had done throughout the series, and that was win a, a game okay. in their home court. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it took it took to game seven. But if you're gonna win that one game, you thankfully that was game seven. And so that for me was you talked talked about it. Kawhi Leonard, 45 points, 28 points in the last two games. And something that you touched upon, and I wanna I guess talk about it a little bit more, is Porzingis. Is what happened? What happened to this guy that was on the verge of being a superstar in the league and that they he was brought in to Dallas to be that, you know, that co-star next to Doncic? And it's not just that he's not playing well, but it looks like, at least the numbers tell me, that they don't even have him as a as option B or C when it comes to that team. Like I, I wrote it down here. Like, of the seven games of the C of the series, he scored twenty points just once. That was on game two. 
After that, he scored 18 and 16. Like, he didn't hit 20 points beyond that game. And not only did the points not not come, the shots weren't there. Because on most games, Homeboy was taking game one, 13 shots, game two, 12, game three, 10, game four, 12. And here's where it comes down to the last three games, the more important ones. Game five, eight points on three for six shooting. Game six, seven points on three for seven shooting. And then in game seven, 16 points on 12, uh, six for 12 shooting. So it's like they don't even consider him like the second an superstar. option yeah. as, as that. And so the question is going to be to Mark Cuban, because you talked about it great. Is he going to evolve as an owner and get Doncic the type of help that he's going to need? Or is he just trying to do what he did with Dirk? Because yeah. if you think about it, and I, I was listening, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I was listening to the Bomani Jones podcast, and he talked about, like, we see Mark Cuban as a great owner, and, and I kind of like him as an owner. But most of all, we give him credit because of that one year that they won. Yeah. But other than that year, they didn't do jack with, again, arguably a one of the greatest players at their position in Dirk Nowitzki. But tell me what was the other great superstar that Dirk had anywhere during his almost 20 he actually, years? He actually let go of the one superstar that Dirk played with, which is my favorite player, Steve Nash. I was watching a documentary about that, and the reason why Nash left was because Mark Cuban didn't want to pay him. You know what I mean? So is he is he going to learn those lessons? Because he had... Decent players. Yeah. Yeah. That. But there was no, there was no, there wasn't that guy that you can say during Dirk Nowitzki's run. It's not like, not to, to compare it against uh, my team, the Spurs, but there was, whether it was through the draft or through signing, there was no Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. No. There was no Kawhi Leonard that you sought to bring into Tim Duncan to say, yo, we're going to keep you around yeah. and we're going to try to win championships. Like, he didn't do that during Dirk's almost 20-year career. So the question is going to be, is he going to do it at all with, with Luka or is he just going to bank on having this one superstar that's going to keep people coming into the building, it probably get him to the playoffs, but... You really don't expect him to go any deep because he's not going to make any sort of adjustments. He's going to have to be willing to spend money. Like, like we've always talked about, we're in a super team era. If you don't have two superstars at least, you're not going to win. Especially with the Brooklyn Nets, what they have on that side. Absolutely. Where they got three superstars, you're not going to win no matter what. And you're going to waste the good years of Luka Doncic. You shouldn't do that because he's a star. He's only 22. But yeah. don't waste his prime. That's what it is. Don't so waste his it, prime. So it's going to be interesting to see because I can't say here and, and even say that they choked. No, they because, didn't. They took it to seven games. Yeah, and then when you when you take a step back and you, and you see the numbers and you see what is behind Luka, then you're like, yeah, how the hell did they take it at game seven? Exactly. You know what I mean? Now it looks more, I, honestly, it looks a little bit worse on the Clippers. No, it, do, actually it took does. Them, that it took them seven games to eliminate this team that had this just this one really great guy and then just a whole bunch of other players. So 
can he, will he, or is it going to be more of the same? Hopefully, hopefully he's learned something because, like, again, I, he seems like a guy that wants to win, but at this question, it's not, un, it's not crazy to wonder if he just wants to win in theory or if he's actually going to do what needs to get done in order to win because, as you mentioned, in this era of super teams, of guys matching up, of guys want going to where they want to go and playing with who they want to play, is can he get people to say, whether it's via free agency or by trade, hey, I want to go down there and play with Luca, play in Dallas, because that's going to, you know, get us somewhere. Because if you can't do that, then, man, I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for Luca. He's on that list of players who you can look at and even in a losing effort have such an impact that that's who we think about Ex- when they lose. Exactly. We're not, you know, obviously credit to Kawhi because he, he had a great series. He was getting cooked on the defensive end, but offensively he had a great series. Right. But the player that we're thinking of, it's Luca. Yeah. And that's, that doesn't happen often, so you've got a special player. Yeah, they absolutely get them, do. Get them pieces. That's absolutely do. So let's. it's going to be interesting to see if he's actually going to go do it or if it's just going to be more of the same. All right, moving on to the second round of these playoffs. And obviously, for as exciting as the first round was, we still got more basketball going on right now. Oh, absolutely. So I want to move on to the second round now. We've got some great matches going on. Obviously, <laughs> we thought the Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee Bucks series you know, we were hyped. That was the best series that we were looking forward to. Brooklyn Nets have completely annihilated the, the Milwaukee Bucks in two games. You know, we, we really haven't started the other series. Phoenix and Denver started. Yeah. Phoenix won the first matchup. And again, Devin Booker showed up. So I want to ask you on what have been, you know, your first impressions of the second round so far. And who do you have winning in each matchup? Okay. So my first... um. I wrote down in my notes, and, and I, as I'm looking at it now, it's funny because it's like I was trying to rhyme. But I literally wrote my first impression, the Brooklyn Nets beating the brakes off the Bucks. <laughs> That's literally what has happened so far. As you mentioned, they uh, game one, they won by, by 12 points. By 12 points. And then game two by 37. 30, 37 points. And I remember checking the score at one point, and they 50. were like, by 49 points, By four, actually. Exactly. So, like, they did it with five, especially last night, because last night's game is the one that really, like, you say, leaves an impression. Not only did they win by 37 points, they had five guys in double figures. And guess what? None of them was James Harden, because he wasn't even playing. Nope, he didn't play. Like, you had five guys go out there, I think, more than I think, I I think there was at least one other than KD and, and Kyrie that got a, around twenty points, if I'm not mistaken. The only the only player that got over twenty was uh, Durant and Irvin. But as you mentioned, it was five guys that were double figure, that were in double figures. Five guys for the team. So they they came out and they like they showed up. Yeah. And so to me, but I want to keep it in some perspective because they also did it in Brooklyn. So for me, game three is gonna be it's gonna be key. I don't think it's one of, I think it's not only a must. It's a must win, win for the Bucks. Not only it's a must win, but it's how they win. I think yeah. also that's gonna yeah. matter because the way that these guys came up and put up, you know, defended home court the way that they did 
Milwaukee's going to have to show, like, not only can we win, but we can do something similar to you guys. Yeah. So don't get it twisted. Because if they don't win the next game, or if it comes down to, you know, something close, especially if James Harden isn't back, then I see this being a short series. Yeah. Like, Brooklyn is about that. I think that, well, a lot of, I heard a lot of commentary saying that this was going to be the series where Brooklyn either lost or whether they're going, they were going to go through such a tough time with Milwaukee that they were going to be depleted for the next round if they advance. Maybe I'm being prisoner of the moment, but I think that they're finding their groove, and I think that they're going to make short work of Milwaukee. I don't. Even, I think to add to that, I think it's more than that. Kevin Durant. There was this talk about there was this people. There were people comparing Kevin Durant to Giannis, and Kevin Durant threw out a comment out there where he said, "Don't compare me to Giannis. I'm not Giannis." So for him, is personal. Yeah. And he's shown it because he's attacking Giannis. Yep. And he's defending Giannis. And he's going at him. But I think that's the key. That one guy, one team has Kevin Durant, and the other one doesn't. That's that's key. And so, and not to, I guess, to, to dissect a little bit what you're talking about, because that matters. Because Giannis is, as his nickname applies, it's the freak. But the problem is Giannis, we, he still has a little hurdle that he hasn't been able to climb that even coming into this year when it comes to the shooting, yep. the range. <laughs> we don't question that about Kevin Durant, like, ever. And so... I said something that might be a crazy-ass hot take, but I had sent a message to someone saying, I think Kevin Durant is the most unstoppable player in the history of basketball. I mean, you can make that argument. Like, yo... I'm when you, serious. No, you can make it because when you can put the the length, the speed, the dribbling ability, obviously strength, you kind of give the edge to some to like LeBron. LeBron James. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And stuff. And I, and Shaq I meant that, in his prime. And I meant that just from like uh, on from the offensive, like who you like to get a bucket. Yeah. To me, this guy is that's, the most unstoppable that force. Is, yeah, you can actually make that argument because one thing while LeBron has him on strength, LeBron had to develop a three pointer. Kevin Durant been having it. Yeah. So he was somebody that once he got to the three-point line, you had to guard him against driving, but you also had to be respected shot. Yeah. And so you can make that argument. So going back to what I was saying, I think that for them, you have the element of personal, but I also think that Brooklyn is like, yo, they're fine. They found the rhythm with no matter which combination of their superstars are on the court. Because you know that if James Harden is there, they get even that much of a threat because now you have him distributing the ball yeah. and being a playmaker and, you know, setting other people up. So I think that having him there obviously would make it even easier. But I think even if he doesn't come back, man, I, I really see Brooklyn saying like, yo, this is going to be the statement series that we're going to put everybody in check. The other series, I think that Atlanta, you know, got a quick punch on Philly, taking game one yeah. down in Philly. The one thing that's going to determine that that series to me is, is Embiid going to be healthy or not? If he's healthy, Philly wins. If he isn't, then I don't see them winning because what's going to happen beyond him? I would say it's Ben Simmons because even though he wasn't healthy, Joel Embiid had a hell of a game. The thing is with Ben Simmons, he can't shoot. <laughs> oh, but, that, but we know you that. Shoot. But we know that. But the thing about it with with uh, Embiid is that it's being reported that he has a meniscus tear. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 
he might have had a hell of a game, but now can he have, have a hell of a series because Ben Simmons can't shoot? That's so true. Can yeah. he then be able to overcompensate or at least adequately compensate for the thing that we already know, which is Ben, ben Simmons can't shoot? Yep. So if he isn't healthy, then I see um, Phoenix, um, excuse me, Atlanta moving on. And then the other game is Phoenix that's, you know, started so far. And I just said it in the last topic. I'm riding with Phoenix. I'm, I'm high on their stock. Do I think that they're going to come out of the West? Oh, Not I, I necessarily. About, I was about to ask you that. Like, just I <laughs> want, it, it obviously depends on everybody staying healthy yeah. and whatever matchup they have. Because yeah. if I'm going to be, let's say, if the Clippers are playing to capacity to what we believe they can be, then I can see them beating the, the Suns. Yeah. But if they're not consistent, I think Phoenix is going to be consistent. So that's to me. And so to answer your question, I think the Nets move on. I think Philly moves on if, if Joel Embiid is healthy. If he comes back and he's healthy, they win. If not, they're out. That's my only, if you want to call it, caveat yeah. or my push. I think Phoenix is going to take care of Denver because I think Phoenix got it. And I think the Clippers, again, similar to Brooklyn, I think that these last two games were with the with Dallas, I think could give a momentum to yeah. come into Dallas uh, to with Utah, who I still am not too high on right now. I know you know Donovan Mitchell was balling, but I think that the Clippers move on. Where, who do you? What are your impressions, and who do you got? So we're starting off on the same note. It's the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, who isn't starting with this story, especially yeah. after that beatdown of the Milwaukee Bucks? Because everyone, again, the the conversation going into this series, going into I won't even say the whole series, game one and game two, game one, many of the experts have Milwaukee winning. Yeah. Game two, even after the Nets won that game, because James James Harden wasn't there. Many of the experts had Milwaukee winning. So that's been like the most surprising to me, just in the manner in which they've taken care of the Milwaukee Bucks. KD's not has never been afraid at the moment because he was dropping 30 against the, the big three in the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Right. Kyrie is not afraid of the moment, as you can see in the NBA Finals against the 73 and 9 team the Warriors, right? right? That they beat. So they've got two guys, and they're going to get James Harden back. Right. The biggest thing for me is Milwaukee. Your guy, Giannis, has to make some shots because they're going to give him the open, the open shot. Now, of course, he's great at coming down and forcing the foul. He's great at that. But they're going to give you open shots. If you can't drop them, then you're just not going to win. You're going to have to compete with KD. Because, again, KD's coming for him. KD wants him. He's already said it. So if you know that guy's coming for you, he's dropping it from three, he's giving it to you in the mid-range, that crossover he did, and he brought it in like a weird yeah. you know, layup on the left-hand side mm -hmm. with the right hand. Like he's coming for you, and he's got backup. Because he's got guys like Blake Griffin who can all of a sudden dunk. Yo, <laughs> yo, he played Detroit. Like, yo. yo, like, I don't know who finessed who the best. Whether it was James Harden when we all thought at the beginning of the season that he had gone fat. Yeah. And so Houston should have traded him. Or Blake Griffin finessing Detroit 
you know, making them think that he couldn't jump anymore. Yo, he hadn't dunked in a year and a half, and then he dunks like that on Giannis, Giannis, bro. for real. So that's what I have. You rhymed a bit. I don't know if I did, but I just put the Brooklyn show without Harden still the Brooklyn show. Because they still are. They still got Kevin Durant, who's the best player on the team, even with Harden there. And they've got a guy in Kyrie who could drop 30 on any given night and who's not afraid of the moment. Then that Hawks and Philly series, of course, I'll give my prediction on that series, but I have to I had to ask a question. And it is, have we completely overlooked the Atlanta Hawks? That's because a very good question. They walked into New York. Again, it's the Knicks, right? You know, they props to them for making it to where they did. But to play in New York, it takes guts to play in front of that fan base. Right? And the way that that the swagger that Trey Young showed and that team showed in New York, carrying over to Philly in that first game. Even though it ended, you know, they, they were up by like six points or four points at the end of the game. But at one point, they were up like 20 or 25 points on them. Like nobody expected that. And that's, to me, is the Ben Simmons effect. He can't shoot, bro. Yeah. He, he can't shoot. And then on the other side, he couldn't guard Trey Young. Because Trey Young is one of those players like a Kevin Durant, even though he doesn't have the height. Where he can score from wherever. Yeah. He's one of those those logo guys like Damian Lillard yeah. and Steph Curry. And so, to, can I add something yeah. to Trey Young? And we said it in the last year with the Knicks. He wants to smoke. Yeah, like, he does. Trey Young wants to smoke. He's out here. I don't he may be overly confident, but he wants to smoke. He wants the spotlight. He's not out here trying to be like, oh shy. I'm just a really nah, nah, nah. nah. He's about that. So like they're going to have to deal with that part of his game because he's going to be out there trying to do it for his team. I want to see how Doc Rivers is going to adjust. Obviously, he had difficulty doing that last year, hence why the Clippers gave up that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So is this going to happen again to Doc Rivers? I'm still going to pick the Sixers, but that's a series that we are going to have to look at. You mentioned the Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets. The Phoenix Suns have arrived. Devin Booker has arrived. Just dropping dropping it on whoever's in front of him. Yep. And you've got to be afraid of that team with the leadership that they have. They're Monty Williams, you know, being one of the best coaches in the season. They have a veteran in Chris Paul, as you said. They've got a big guy who can get it done in Aiton. And they've got a guy in Devin Booker who can score from wherever. And he's got that, like, Mamba mentality, yep. you know-esque thing. You know what I mean? That he's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid to give it to you when he needs to do it. And so they've got the pieces. Now, again, can they, you know, obviously, if the Clippers get a hold of themselves, can they beat a team like the Clippers? And obviously, whoever comes out of the West, they're not touching the Nets. That's just me. But these are my predictions. So I've got the Nets coming out. I've had them this entire time. Right. I've had them winning the championship. Yeah. Right? I thought this series would go seven. It could still go seven. But I'd say that the Brooklyn Nets are going to come out on top. The Sixers and Hawks, I still got the Sixers coming out. Even though the Hawks made a statement when in game one, I still think that top to bottom, the Sixers have the better team and they should be able to get it done because they've got the better player in Joel Embiid. Right. Clippers and Jazz, that series hasn't started yet, but I've got the Clippers coming out of that. I, I do think that that momentum you talked about in those last two games, they were able to pick it up, you know, able to play better defense. Obviously, there are guys in the history of basketball that you, no matter what you do, you can't stop them, but you could slow them down. Right. That's Luka Doncic. They did the best that they could. And I think that in this series, 
there isn't a Luka Doncic, even though it's a better team because mm-hmm. they're top five in offense and defense. So credit right, to the right. Jazz getting it done, but they don't have a Luka to be afraid of. Right. They've got a team, but not a Luka. So I'm going to pick the Clippers to come out in that series. And then the Phoenix Suns. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm riding on that boat. And I think, at least for this next series, and I think that they will be able to, to beat the Denver Nuggets because, to me, Devin Booker yeah. and Chris Paul. Yeah, that uh, that effect right there to me is 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 what matters, and they've got the best, the better coach in that series in Monty Williams. So uh, I've got them coming out of that series. All right, so our last topic, we're gonna talk more basketball. Okay, but this is more about teams who are no longer there. Yeah. Right, this is the end of the show for some of these people, and and this is interesting because when you toss this question, um, I have a clear answer, but I want to see where you're gonna go with this, and this is. Pertaining to the, the the uncertain futures of two teams, which is the L.A. Lakers and the Trailblazers, the Portland Trailblazers. So, obviously, they both got out. There's questions revolving on both teams. Is Damian Lillard going to go? Should he sign? Should he stay? Are they going to get pieces for him? And then with the L.A. Lakers, what's going to happen with LeBron, a year older now, Anthony Davis, injury history? Are they going to add some more pieces? Defending champions, not even passing the first round. So, I want to ask you. Which of these two teams has more of an uncertain future after losing in the first round? The LA Lakers or the Portland Trailblazers? I mean, they both have a, an uncertain future or they're, I think they're at a crossroads, but I think the clear answer is the Lakers, in my opinion. Because when this whole LeBron project was, was started, obviously it was a you know, four-year contract when he originally signed and everything. But more importantly, when Anthony Davis was brought on to the Lakers, I think it was, w- it was with the sole purpose of helping LeBron age, keeping him in contention as he started to age or yeah. started to go into that final phase of his career. And I know, again, it could be a little bit prisoner of the moment because they just won the championship last year. They are the defending champion. I put an asterisk on that, but go ahead. No, but, you know, they, <laughs> they won. It's like you you sometimes say, you can only play who's in front of you. And That's so true. True. given everybody was in the bubble, everybody had similar circumstances, and so they went out there and they beat who was in front of them and they got the ring, you know. So the reason why I say the Lakers is because of – that it's Anthony Davis's injury history that you touched upon. I was watching, uh, you know, a, a segment on on TNT, and there was uh, Charles Barkley said something very very interesting that he said the Lakers need to, and I'm paraphrasing, that the Lakers are going to need to sit down with Anthony Davis and ask him like, "Yo, what is it that you're doing in your?" off-season regimen, during the season, your training or whatever, because you're too young to be getting this injured. And I think that that was like, I thought about it for a second, but I was like, yo, wait, there's something there. Because Anthony Davis is, and uh, Charles Barkley elaborated, elaborated a little bit more. He says, between the age of 22, 23, which is when most guys come into the league, to about the age of 30 to maybe 32, you're supposed to be indestructible because you're young. Your body is good. This is like the peak of your athletic career. Yeah. And this window is one that's been riddled with injury for Anthony Davis. Like, he's 28 years old, so he's still young. 
But I, after listening to that that clip or or hearing Charles Barkley, I went back and I was like, I knew Anthony um, Davis had suffered injuries, but I was like, let me look a little deeper to see if this is just Charles Barkley being Charles Barkley, or if there's more more to that. And for the again, 28 years old, this is his ninth season. Let's say let's take away last year, right? As a matter of fact, we could take the last two years because last... Well, no, last year they played a full season yeah, for did. the most part. Yeah. So even if we take this season away, of the nine seasons that he's played, Anthony Davis has played 70 games or more just twice. So he's never even made it. Never, never in his career has even made it to 80 games during the season. And so... Even with load management and everything, the new style, most of those games that he's missed has been due to due injury. To injury, yeah. You know, and so if this is the guy, because that's on any given night, LeBron James can still be the best player in the NBA. But I think one thing that we're seeing, and again, I may be prisoner of the moment, I don't know that LeBron James can be the best player in basketball throughout a series, especially with the kind of help that's in the Lakers beyond Anthony Davis. I don't think that this is the LeBron James of the early 2000s in Cleveland that can carry a bunch of guys into the NBA Finals. I don't. I think that that part of his career is gone. Oh, no, it's been, I mean, he's 36, turning 37 next season. So. You know, no, but the reason I say that is because when you see him on any given night, you can see, yo, LeBron can still dominate. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then can... He can't do it because the year before Anthony Davis got there, he wasn't able to do it, you know? And so this is the guy that you brought in to kind of help him, again, age gracefully. And so if you can't count on him to be that superstar, to be the now the number one, the best player on that team, have Anthony Davis be option 1A and maybe LeBron be 1B more often than not because he's the younger one, then they're in trouble because then they're – you're going to have to then decide, are we going to have to go get somebody else to be option 1A or 1B and now have a trio instead of a duo where Anthony Davis is kind of like option C, like Chris Bosh was back yeah. in Miami. Yeah. Because if not, that's that's going to be a problem, especially if LeBron's, as he ages, as he continues to to play more in the, the wear and tear, can't be that top guy as much as he can. With regards to Portland, I think they're they are at a crossroads because they they still can't get over that hump. They can't even get into the Western Conference Finals. They just fired their coach. We heard there were, there were reports where Damian Lillard wanted Jason Kidd, but apparently Jason Kidd said no. And so it goes back to what you what we were men- mentioning with regards to to the Mavericks. Can that da- um da- um excuse me Portland <laughs> bring in people because they're gonna need somebody, and it sucks that it didn't work out that way. But in my opinion, you know who'd have been the best player for that role that they need. Obviously, if he was a little younger and if he had his health, this is when they needed Lamarcus Aldridge. Oh yeah. Like you prime have, Lamarcus yeah, Aldridge. When you have, a player like when you have Lillard. Damian Lillard, you have CJ, who are mostly their guards who play more on the perimeter, even though they can get to the hoop. But that guy that you can dump the ball into, 
that can shoot mid-range, can shoot the, the three, but more than anything, it's a body inside that if you want to just put it down into the post, I know the game doesn't play the post the way that it used to, but you still need somebody, somebody. that can be big enough to play inside but still do the, the range outside. And they're going to need somebody like that. And so, but their issue really comes down to what kind of superstar does Damian Lillard want to be? Yeah. Does he want to continue being the home guy, the guy that's not going to recruit anybody, not going to go to any other team? Or is he going to be the guy that says, you know what? I've given enough to this city, uh, to this team. I want to go out and win a championship. But that all that's all based on him and his desires. With the Lakers, this is about can you rely on Anthony Davis's health to help LeBron? Because if not, you know, that they're, they're going to have to do something about it. And so to me, the more uncertain future relies on the Lakers, especially when they are somebody who we think going in every year, as long as they have LeBron, as a team that could win the championship. I think there's an argument to be made for both, right? Um, walking in, I, I when you tossed the question at first, I was like, the obvious answer is the Portland Trailblazers because they're the Portland Trailblazers. Right. <laughs> why, why are the Lakers, why should the Lakers have to worry, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was my answer when you first tossed the question, when you first brought the question up. But I think there's an argument, like I said, to be made for both sides. For the Lakers, as far as their uncertain future, of course, can you rely on Anthony Davis to be that number one piece? He's never shown it. He never showed it in, in, in with the Pelicans. And obviously, he hasn't gotten the opportunity to show it with the Lakers now. But obviously, he's always injured. Facts. And that's the problem. He's always injured. He hasn't shown the ability. I love the stat that Drew brought up. Hasn't played more than 80 games in a season, right? So, he hasn't shown... Hasn't made it to 80 exactly. games. Exactly. So, he, he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. And he hasn't shown the ability to lead a team. So, he's still got something to prove. LeBron James is getting older. He ain't getting younger. He's turning 37 next season. That's going to be his 19th season. Yep. You can't expect him anymore. He showed in the first round. I had talked. I was talking to, I think it was Anthony, and I was telling him what the the Lakers need tonight from LeBron is that they need him to drop over 40 points. That was in that game six. Yeah. So they needed him to score over 40. He couldn't do it. No. Because you can't do it anymore. Yeah, that that's just what I saw. He can't they didn't do even it. Put up the shots. No, they didn't no. even put up the shots. Because I saw somebody. Sorry to interrupt you, but I I remember seeing somebody say like, and they were saying it from a different place. They were talking about like, oh, this is why LeBron isn't the greatest or whatever, whatever. But he talked about people like Michael Jordan, like Kobe Bryant, like Allen Iverson. That in those games, even if they don't they don't score, they're gonna put up like thirty five shots. He didn't even do that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, all right, fine. You can't hit the three shot, the, the three pointer. Work in the paint, right? Work in the paint because you can. You can you do can it. Still bully there people. were times. Yes, I agree. Where the Phoenix Suns were were loading the box, right? But there were other times where they weren't loading the box, and there were guys like Cameron Payne guarding him, and he would pass the ball to Caruso. Yep. Like that. That to me just shows that LeBron's at an age which, again, it's normal. It's normal yeah. for that to happen. LeBron's at an age where father time, it's arrived. It's coming. It's it hasn't coming. knocked him out, yeah. but it, it arrived. It's, coming, it's there. Yeah. So you can't really rely on him anymore as the number one option. I don't even think moving forward because teams are getting better. 
around in the Western Conference. You yeah. have, again, young teams like the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz. The Clippers are still going to be there. Yep. And let's not even bring up the Brooklyn Nets on the other side. Right. So they don't have that number one piece. But the one thing I'll say about the Lakers is they're the L.A. Lakers, bro. Like, they, they're they're a prime location, a prime team. It's not like we're dealing with the with um um with the Jim Buss era, which he failed miserably to build the team around uh, Kobe Bryant in those later years. That's why the Lakers were never competitive after 2011, because Jim Buss was just horrible, horrible contracts, horrible players around LeBron James. Jeannie Buss has shown an ability to find the right people to build a team around whether it, whoever the superstar is. LeBron James, in this case, they did it last year where they got um they got a Rondo, they got a Dwight Howard, they got a JaVale McGee, you know, they got a Caldwell Pope. They got some pieces to work. And even this year, even though it didn't work out, but mainly it didn't work out because the two stars weren't the two superstars that we expected. But they got good pieces in Dennis Schroeder. They got, you know, uh, um, a, a good guy, a guy like Mark Gasol, who's a vet, who can make it from three, who can play defense. So they've shown the ability to to put pieces around the superstar. Can they get a superstar? I think they can still because they're still going to be a, a – I, I don't know. I, I still think they can because it's not – again, it's not that – it's not Jim Buss running the team anymore. Jeannie Buss has shown the ability to connect with players, to get people who can connect with the younger audience. That's what I see in this but Lakers here's, team. Here's my counterpoint to that is Jeannie Buss showed, I th- in my opinion – she showed once being a good owner, and that wasn't getting Magic Johnson. Because I don't, I don't even think. Wave, think of, wave, follow my train of thought. She got Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was the one basically that recruited LeBron. I, I don't even think that's true. I, I think that I LeBron, think LeBron had his mind. No, I think LeBron wanted there, but I think that I don't know that if Magic isn't there to kind of fill into that Showtime, that Laker, you know, thing, I don't know that LeBron ends up there. I that's th- my yeah. no, that's my opinion. And here's my my last point to that. Yeah, is Anthony Davis, in my opinion, it wasn't Rob Palinka that got Anthony Davis. He, it, was, he, it was Rich Paul. It was Rich Paul, yeah, LeBron Rich Paul. James, that got Anthony Davis out there. And so that's why I mean that to me it's unproven because inside he proved that he can get those role players. I give him credit for that. But where I am uncertain is because if you can't rely on Anthony Davis, then you are going to need to get that superstar to come out there and say, yeah, I want to, yeah. you know, I want to be part of the Showtime Lakers. Listen, I'm I, okay with doing. And can he do that? Because up until now, Rob Palinka hasn't think done that. Kawhi Leonard would have been in the Lakers. If it weren't for LeBron James, because right. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to the Lakers. That's true. The reason why he didn't go there is because he's not one of these, you know, super, super team guys. He wanted to be the guy in L.A. And LeBron James was just I mean, LeBron James, is LeBron James. bro. Like, right. But that's <laughs> that's exactly my point is can they get somebody? Because we saw with Kyrie Irving, yeah. not everybody wants to play next to LeBron James. No, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, so. That's why I'm saying that to me is more of an uncertainty with them because aside from the health aspect is now can you get somebody who's willing to be, uh, could be option 1A, could be option 1B, but could even also end up being option 1C. Nope. And so can you get somebody to fit that role I inside think, that team? But what I'll, say, what I'll say to that is this. I think it's a smaller 
a, a problem to worry about than what the Portland Trailblazers are going to have to worry about because you're nothing without Damian Lillard. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to get to a point. He put out a quote on social media. I, yeah, I saw that. Where, like, people started trying to, like, find out, yo, like, what is he really yeah, trying to say? Absolutely. And the problem with that is that they've never shown an ability to build a team, a great team. Yeah. So they don't have a history of building great teams. This guy's going to get tired. Like, these superstars nowadays, it's hard to find a loyal guy like Tim Duncan, even though they build a great team around him. Right. Or a loyal guy like Dirk Nowitzki. You know, you know, he won one title, and I think that yeah. was enough for him. But it's hard to find loyal guys in today's NBA because, yo, they want to win. Yeah. And a guy like Damian Lillard, yo, he's a, he's a superstar. Yeah, and absolutely. He, he's going to get to a point where he's going to be like, yo, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it for too long. I got to go. F- I'm going to get my money because now players are getting more money via endorsements than ever before. Absolutely. So, to me, the money ain't, ain't such a big deal for a guy like Damian Lillard who – who's going to get to a point where he wants to win, and the, the Trailblazers have never shown an ability to build a team. And I think that's the problem. The Lakers are going to be the Lakers. They might not win titles, but they can get stars to the city of Los Angeles. They can get them there. I, I, the problem I is the know. Portland Trailblazers have never I I shown. completely agree with you on that. I, I just think that that's why I say that the caveat to Portland is what su- what kind of superstar does Damian Lillard wants to want to be? Yeah. Because that quote that you saw, it can mean something. It can mean nothing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of I know we we is using another sport, but it's kind of like what Russell West uh, Wilson did in yeah. Seattle. Yep. You know, he he threw out the signals, but at the end of the day, he just wanted more of a say. Yeah. And once he got what he wanted, you no longer heard heard about Russell what? Wilson wanting to be traded. What a title before though. No the difference. That, absolutely. Yeah. But right now. Damian Lillard, up until now, has shown he wants to make whatever happened happen in Portland. in Portland, right? You're absolutely right. The minute he's gone, they're dead, you know, as far as, as being a franchise. But up until now, they can still rely. I think that that's why the coaching hire is going to be key, is can they continue to rely on his love for Portland, on his desire to be his yeah. own superstar, of not wanting to go somewhere else, of not wanting to be recruited or joining other people, they have at least the benefit of the doubt to be able to rely on that. Yeah. Because he's given it to them for like the last 10 years. In the When it comes to the Lakers, and that's what I'm saying, is that there are so many, unpro- so many uncertainties when you have Anthony Davis's health, when you have LeBron aging, and up until now, again, other than that one superstar that wanted to go out there to play with LeBron, can you get somebody else? Let's say, for example, Damian Lillard. Yeah. Do you think that Damian Lillard would want to go to the Lakers and potentially be the third piece of a team? I think if, let's say, hypothetically speaking, they add him now to the Lakers. I mean, the way that AD is just not showing up because of his injuries, he could potentially be that second star because he's shown the ability to but the question is, does he want to? That, and yeah, that's, yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that. How far be, is he willing to go to get that 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 that, that title? title. That he wants. And so, and to go back to the to the agent part is that's what the um, not the agent, the GM. That's what Rob Palinka is gonna have to be able to do because it's easy to sell a role player on, hey, come and play with LeBron, come and play with AD, whatever, whatever. Now convince a superstar to be like, yo, when the superstar goes well. What am I going to be in this team? 
Can he sell them? Hey, no, don't worry about it. We got you. We're going to find. And to me, they haven't done that just yet. I completely agree with you that Jeannie Buss is a way better owner than her brother ever oh was. <laughs> like, ever was. Like, yeah. I don't think LeBron ends up in L.A. Oh, if, no. he wasn't, no, if he was still no. there. That's but, the reason why they, she eventually right, took complete ownership. Right. But now that they have this, and now that they have an aging superstar with an injured superstar, is this is, to me, where I have to see it. Because here's the other part, and I'll end my, my part with this. You said something about, you know, which is true, Portland without Damian Lillard becomes a lottery team easily. But here's the one thing that Portland has going for them that the Lakers don't. Nobody expects Portland to be at the top of the league. That is true. (laughs) The Lakers, everybody, especially while they still have LeBron James, they don't just expect expect playoffs. They expect championship caliber. And so that's more to live up to. Then you saying, well, we lost our one star because we just couldn't keep him. Yeah. So the level of expectation in that, to me, adds to why it's more on the Lakers than it is the Blazers. But like you said, an argument can be made for both. Yeah, it's, it's sure going to be interesting to see how both of these teams are going to approach the offseason. What is Portland going, you know, what, what are they going to do to build a team around uh, Damian Lillard to actually compete in the Western Conference that is stacked once again. Yep. And then what are the, the Los Angeles Lakers going to do? Knowing that LeBron is a year older, Anthony Davis is, I don't know, he's never been reliable as far as his health. And obviously these pieces not necessarily working out for them this season. What moves are they going to make? They have been very active in the offseason. You know, I do expect them to, to get something done, but it is going to be interesting to see what both of these teams are going to do. Yeah, definitely going to be an interesting offseason. The NBA offseason usually is interesting. I think this one is going to be right up there as far as uh, the moves that are made during the offseason. But that's uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, that's going to be our episode. We I think we hit, man, we hit a lot of topics in a lot of areas yes, today. <laughs> so I think everybody can come away with something, especially if you're a basketball fan in or, yeah, just mostly basketball, but we touched on society. We touched on a little bit of everything. So we want to say thank you as we wrap things up today. Always, you know, keep supporting us. Keep checking us out, whether you're streaming, you know, listening to us on audio, on Spotify, op- Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, all of those platforms were there. And we have nothing but gratitude for our social media family as well, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok on twitter keep chatting with us keep you know comment commenting we reply to each one of those comments backs because we want to keep the conversation going but that's going to be it for us today this is the latest edition of the pull up and chat podcast i'm victor that's juan yo we out mi gente